Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord, that your word that proceeds out of your mouth will never, ever return void. It will accomplish every single one of its purposes. And your purpose, Lord, is for your son to be fashioned and molded in each one of us as we become more and more like you. Jesus, we thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit, Lord, to walk alongside of us, to be inside of us. Lord, to bring to remembrance everything that you taught. Lord, that you said you would give us peace, not as the world gives it. We need that peace. We thank you, Lord, that you are the Prince of Peace. Father, we just, just thank you. Thank you so much for the times that we live in and that we could bless you, that we could actually bless you. In the name of Jesus, amen. This is definitely not going to be a long message. Um, something has been kind of swirling around in my heart. Uh, the joy of our salvation. And um, if you don't have joy in your salvation, it's good news you can get it back. And um, thank God that there is always a way home. There's always a way home back to his house. And uh, anyway, let me just go ahead and start. If you guys would turn with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. I'm going to be reading out of the, the New King James. Not for any particular reason. Uh, it's just something that my parents gave me back in 1991. And uh, it is really starting to fall apart. But it's so easy to move around now. So it's. But anyway, pieces are starting to come out of it. <clears throat> Good old Bible. <laughs> Who keeps laughing? <laughs> That's a joyful person. What I'm going to read is not going to be so joyful, so hang on. Matthew 24. And his uh, disciples had come to him and asked him some questions about what are going to be the signs of your coming. End of the end of the age, two things. And what I really wanted to focus on is in chapter 12, where Jesus says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And I don't think he was talking to unbelievers, he was talking to believers. And I think one of the burdens that we bear while we're in this age, while we're having to walk through our faith and through tribulations and trials is that there is a concern that as we observe the lawlessness that is going on all around us, that it could turn our hearts cold, not all at once, but by, bit by bit, degree by degree, as we watch and we listen to things uh, kind of fall apart and, um, I enjoy listening to other pastors and other teachers 
Um, I think the way I could get better besides um, getting the word for myself, which I do every morning, is to listen to guys who are much better than this than I am. And, and I enjoy it. I think there's always something I can glean from that. But it's so interesting to find out that they are using the same descriptive words to describe what's going on in our world right now. One of the world, the words that are being used over and over again is like, these are crazy times. They are out of control. I've, and some of these guys are like in their 70s. And it's like, we've never even seen some of the things that are going on right now. So, some of the things that are going on right now. I mean, you guys remember last year when we had the riots that hit, I don't know how many of our cities. And I was talking to someone who is um, of the, the left persuasion. And um, we were talking about the riots that had happened last year. And this young man told me, he's like, well, there was very little, if any, damage that went on in any of those cities. They were mainly peaceful. And I thought the young man was joking with me, but... I just kind of kept a straight face, you know. I was like, okay, let me hear where you're going with this. He says, oh, yeah, I, I listened to a lot of bloggers and people on podcasts, and they were there, and it was all exaggerated. What you saw on television wasn't true. So, not like along with lawlessness, we have <laughs> deception. The insurance, uh, this place is called the Property Claims Services. They're the ones that kind of get a gauge worldwide of different insurance companies and uh, the claims that they're sending out to people who are making them for the damages or whatever else is going on. They said that this um, destruction of property in the, in the United States last year was the greatest ever man-made disaster. It exceeded that what happened in 1992 in the L.A. riots, closing in around $2 billion. Now, it's nothing compared to um, what the industry <laughs> calls uh, uh, what God does, you know, through um, earthquakes and those type of things. But this was the greatest destruction that had ever happened before. And one of the things that made my heart... Not quite despair, but grow angry, because I usually get angry first before I go into the other dark place. Is that a lot of these people who were getting caught and who were participating in this destruction were being bailed out just as fast as they were being arrested. And of course, during that time, um, within a year period, um, first responders, especially police officers, had gone from heroes to, we needed to fund the police and get rid of them completely. So, that is quite disheartening to me. Um, I don't like it. I don't like the way that feels for me. I don't like the pressure that it makes me feel that I've got to look behind my back. But the Lord reminded me, He's just like, I am all around you and I'm inside of you. And just like with Elisha, when he said, open the eyes of the servant so he can see. And he did. And he was able to see that not only their enemies had surrounded them, but around them, the host of heaven had surrounded their enemies. They just didn't know it. And even though it might not seem like 
we're in a majority anymore, um, it doesn't matter in God's economy. It really doesn't. That he would open the eyes of our heart to see that he who is with us is greater than he is in the world. Every single time. That we've got to learn as big disciples that we can't keep looking at what's going on around us constantly. Looking at these things that are horrible and negative and thinking about them and giving them so much time. We need to know what's going on around us. I'm not saying let's be ignorant. Let's be Pollyanna and everything's good all the time. No, we do need to know what's going on. But we have to keep our focus on the Lord Jesus. Amen? Okay. So, yes, defunding the police. And um, anyone who ever said that um, has stepped into lawlessness because in Romans it clearly states that God has set up government, whether it's a great government or not so great or whatever it is, um, God has set up government. And he says that um, part of the authority's job uh, is to bear the sword, and they don't bear it for nothing. They are there to stop evildoers. I think in my translation, it calls them avengers for God. So, and as I talking to the Lord not too long ago about ministry, I was like, oh, Lord, I've never really done this before. I served at the inn for a couple of years, mainly as a, you know, chopping wood and, just <laughs> cooking and doing silly things over there. But I mean, it's part of the training, too. It's not silly. But the Lord reminded me, too, is like that you were, Josh, you were a minister before you got into the ministry. These are my ministers as well. So anyone who says, well, I'm not going to pay taxes because they're not doing what I believe, is like, you need to take up with the Lord. Pay your taxes. Even though if you don't like it, just do it. It's okay. So, but we have to stand with the Lord, and we have to stand with His Word. God has set these things up. He has set family up. We know that that's been under attack for a long time, especially things like fatherhood. I mean, good Lord. I mean, I remember as a child, you know, five, six, seven years old, watching television shows or movies or whatever it is, you know, the father either looked like some out-of-control maniac or a complete idiot. But, I mean, that was done over time for a reason. There was a reason for that. But God's not, his family is not going to be destroyed. Not at all. So, when we've got things like Black Lives Matter... Chanting, doing the things that they're doing, bringing about lawlessness. And if you've ever seen some of the things they've done, where they try to corner people and make them say things. Say her name. Say this. Say black lives don't matter. I will never say those things. I will never bend my knee. Because what they're doing is witchcraft. They are trying to control. They are trying to intimidate and eventually want to completely dominate. And if you think by trying to 
acquiesce a little bit to the things that they're saying, the things they're doing, to try to find a place of peace, you've only let them in a little bit. We do not bend the knee for anyone except for the Lord Jesus Christ. Him and Him alone. And eventually, as one of our sisters had just talked about, they will have to bend the knee as well, whether they want to or not. So in spite of all these things, maybe the person we voted for or didn't vote for didn't get into office. Shaky times. And the thing with COVID, now we've got the Delta variant, whatever that is that's coming out. If it weren't for the Lord, we would probably all be dead a long, long time ago. A thousand at our left, 10,000 at our right. But He is the one that's going to uphold us. He is. He does not want us to walk about as the pagans do, in fear and trembling, wonder what's going to happen next. Everything that's going to be shaken is going to be shaken and is in the process right now of being shaken. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why when we received the Lord Jesus Christ as our King and we surrendered to Him when we were born again, He could have just taken us up into heaven right then. Amen. Be done with it. But He wanted us here for a purpose. Just as he was in the world, but he was not of it. We are not of it either. He is training us for our future destiny. Right now, in a lot of ways, it seems like we are on the losing side. You know, I remember someone saying, it seems like Evil is like in a full-out sprint, while good is just kind of like sauntering along in a small stroll in this world. But, I mean, we talked about this before, that this world system, this world system is run by an evil archangel named Satan. He runs it. Now, God is above him. Just like we saw in Job, he still had to get permission from God Almighty to do the things that he did. But it's a, you know, people say, well, how can, how can a good God allow all these evil things to happen? It's like, well, we have an evil God that's in control of this world and its system. And everything is building up to that point to when the Antichrist is finally revealed. It is going somewhere. It's not going to just keep doing what it's doing. We've got to be ready. You guys need to be equipped. Let's get into some nicer things. Let's go to Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah, I believe he was the cupbearer of Xerxes, of the Persian Empire, and they were letting Jews come back bit by bit back into their promised land. And um, this is the time that they had found the law and they're getting ready to, to read of the law. Starting with verse 1. 
Now the people gathered together as one man in an open square that was in the front of the water gate. And he told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And then he read from it in an open square in the water gate from morning until midday. How hungry are you guys? Before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood at a platform which was made for this purpose. And at his right hand, I'm not going to read their names, were a bunch of other people. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And the people answered, Amen, Amen. And while lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Again, there's a bunch of other names. We'll skip over those. 7b, the Levites helped the people. And the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave good sense and helped them to understand the reading. Verse 9, we've heard this one very much, many, many times. In Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught, the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept because they heard the words of the law. Why were they weeping? They know they had fallen short of it, just like it is with the law. And in their own lives, too, we do fall short. And then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those who have nothing that is prepared for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. So all the people went to eat and drink and to send portions and to rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. And so it goes on to say that there was even a bigger celebration after that. But remember, I contrasted so greatly in my mind when Jesus was rebuking the scribes and teachers and the Pharisees of his day when concerning the lies. It's like, you guys don't even lift a pinky to help these people at all. You put all these burdens on them. But you don't help them. You give no understanding like they did in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And I have to be careful. And the elders, we've got to be careful. And we've got to be careful that even in the darkest times, in the places when there's not a lot of encouragement going on, when it seems like a lot of things are going wrong, that we can still look up. Our salvation is drawing much closer than we first realized. 
and that there will be men and women of understanding who know the Word of God and can correctly use it. Not to beat people down, but to lift them up. Not to stay forever wounded. We all have received wounds in our life. Every single one of us. Especially from our own family. I know, working over 700 domestic violence cases, most of the wounds and the hurts and the wrongs came from those who were supposed to be closest to you. Within the church, I've heard that it is a place where you are here to receive healing. It is like a hospital. But one of the things with getting a wound is not letting it fester too long. It needs to get healed. It needs to get cleaned up and bandaged. Because we've got to be careful that we don't minister from a place of being wounded. We need to be cleaned up. Just like the Levites and the priests of old, they were not allowed to come before God and minister to the people if they had scabs on them. You have to get healed. And the Lord is our healer. He is changing the way that we think. He is completely changing the way that we think. So we don't think as the world thinks anymore. The renewing of our mind. If you guys turn to Second Chronicles chapter 30. Love King Hezekiah. This is during the time when the Assyrian Empire, which is before the Babylonian Empire, I think this is probably 780, 790 BC, I'm not exactly sure, but about 300 years after King David passed away, Hezekiah comes to the throne. And they were in trouble. The Assyrian Empire had conquered the northern tribes of Israel. And they were finding that they had not been following the law of God for many, many years. And had been doing their own thing. Worshipping other idols. But now there was a man, Hezekiah. Who had people around him that were beginning to turn back to the Lord. And turn the people back to the Lord. Second Chronicles verse or chapter or, thank you. <laughs> chapter thirty verse one. And Hezekiah sent to all of Israel, because there were still some people who had not been deported by Assyria, to Israel and Judah, and wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. Some of them came, a lot of them mocked. I'm just going to kind of hit some points on here during this chapter. But the ones who did come received quite the blessing. And they were getting ready to um, <clears throat> go and do the Passover. So we'll go down to verse 18. This is for a multitude of people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves yet. 
Yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. I want you guys to kind of take a note of that. They weren't doing it right. They weren't doing it according to the, how Moses had prescribed. But they came anyway. Contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah and healed the people. So the children of Israel, this is in verse 21, who were present at Jerusalem, kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing to the Lord, accompanied with loud instruments. And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they ate throughout the feast. Common themes here. Getting together, having a good time and eating. Sounds like Ron last week. Offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord their fathers. Then the whole assembly, this is verse 23, agreed to keep the feast another seven days. And they kept it another seven days with gladness. For Hezekiah of Judah gave to the congregation a thousand bulls, seven thousand sheep, and the leaders came and gave the congregation a thousand bulls. 10,000 sheep, and a great number of priests sanctified themselves. And the whole congregation of Judah rejoiced. Also the priests and the Levites, all the congregation that came from Israel, the sojourners who had come to the land of Israel, and all those who dwelt in Judah. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there have been nothing like this in Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place, to heaven. Guys, this is during the law. How much greater of a covenant do we have in Jesus Christ? If they could rejoice... If they could teach the right way and the good way from the law, how much more us? Since his law is not anymore written on those stones, it's written on our hearts now. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And one of his things is to come for us. Thank you, Lord. You guys can turn to First Peter eight. First Peter one. Peter, fall out of my Bible. First Peter chapter one. 
starting in verse 3. Just let this word wash over you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom, having not seen, you love. And though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We have the greatest salvation that there is. There is no other promise in heaven or on earth or any other religion that comes close to the promises that we have in this book. Everything else pales in comparison. That in the midst of these times, as Jesus himself said, men's heart failing them. Because of all the things that are going on in the world, the roaring of the sea... Everything collapsing, everything going wrong. That Jesus says, like, you can still have joy. And Jesus, before he went through the biggest test and biggest trial at the cross, he said, for the joy set before him. How much more are we that we can look to him? As we prayed over here, the one who started it with each one of us. And he's going to finish it to his glory. Not because of any special thing that any of us have done. He chose you. That is a great joy in itself. But you heard the call and you came. So I say all these things. And I preach myself happy. This is the word, and being in fellowship too. (laughs) That if you have lost your joy, go get it back. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let Him restore to you the joy of your salvation. It doesn't necessarily have to be sin. Sin will separate you from God, and you still need to confess. But just the dust, the grime of the world... It gets on us just because we live here. Let His Word cleanse you. Wash you clean from all unrighteousness, from all the dirty little things that are out there. Just get attached to us every day. You can't help it. We're in the world. 
So I'm just going to pray, and we'll see if any of the elders or anyone have heard something from the Lord. Give us further direction. Father, we thank you for your plan, which is coming together. And Lord, we thank you that in these times, we can have not just joy, but deep abiding joy. Lord, we don't understand everything that's going on, but we are putting our trust into you. And you, Lord, have a destiny for each one of us. Lord, you've called us to be a kingdom of priests, later to be kings, queens. But Lord, now is the time of training. Lord, help us to pass these tests. Help us not to despair when trials come on us, Lord. But how we look to them for what they are. Something that you are allowing for our betterment. Lord, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he is the helper. He is the great counselor. And Father, I just pray that whatever we do this week, coming and going, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and he would be high and lifted up above every name. High and lifted up against every organization. High and lifted up above every form of religion. Higher than Buddha. Higher than Muhammad. Higher than Allah. Higher than any God on this planet. High and lifted up. Greater than any government or empire. Greater than any angelic name. The Father has given the Son the name above every name. We thank you that we are protected by that name. That we can seek refuge in that name. Bless your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.